everybody. This is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 86. It's now been 39 weeks, two days, since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And today's a bonus day. Well, kind of a bonus day because I'm going to play for you what I can of an interview I had with the wonderful Alan Standish of Progress Not Perfection. And that was Cheryl's idea because Alan's interviewed me twice now for his podcast. And Cheryl said, why don't you interview him? So I asked Alan if he would Skype with me like I did with Donnie. And we had a conversation and we'll be playing that in a little bit. Before that, we're going to listen to our inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go by Josh Woodward. I'm going to think about what I need to let go of today because I really do need to let go of some things. I'm going to have a couple very brief announcements and thank yous. Then we'll get right on into Alan. And boy, oh boy, I think this will be a great show. So stay tuned and I'll see what I'm going to let go of today. But I'm letting go. Thank you, Josh. I've really been missing listening to that inspirational snippet. With our last show being the Halloween show, we had our special Halloween music, and that was really fun. But I noticed that I've just not been letting go of things as well since I haven't been listening to that snippet. Somehow, getting into that I'm letting go mood really, really helps me. And what I'm going to let go of today is all or nothing thinking. It's also known as black or white thinking, you know, where everything is horrible, everything is wonderful, where your mood can really be triggered up or down depending on an event where you say my whole day or week or life is great or shit depending on how things are going. And I have to be honest that I have had a couple of very challenging weeks. I've been in just a terrible pissy blue mood, just terrible. Now, as I mentioned in the opening, I had so much fun making the Halloween show. That was kind of a bright spot in my horrible pissy week. Well, notice there's this all or nothing thinking. In a week that was filled with perhaps more challenging moments than rewarding moments. Let's put it that way. More challenging than rewarding. And some of the things that were challenging is that, you know, since I'm somebody that has been used to dieting or not dieting and not dieting equals binging, my intuitive eating, I think, slips a little easily into what the hell eating, kind of who cares eating, or it's not really binging and it's not really compulsive, but it's eating maybe when you're not really that hungry and maybe eating a little bit more or eating something because it looks good, all of which is kind of part of intuitive eating because you learn to take the judgment off of yourself. But of course, that also results in weight gain. If you eat a little more than you burn, or you eat more than your body asks for, you're going to put some extra weight on yourself because your body can't do anything different. You put more calories in your body than it needs or wants or asks for, then it says, well, 
I'll burn what I can, and then the rest I'm going to slap on you with a little extra fat here and there for later when we're going to go into our starvation time. Because my poor body is very used to being completely starved a lot or completely overfed a lot. So it sort of seems to me that my body likes to go into this mode of, Yahoo, I'm getting a lot of extra food. I better just, you know, store that right now because that usually means that another starvation, i.e. diet, is coming down the road. And I've been feeling a little bit plump, let's say, a little plumper than before, and I feel like my clothes are a little bit tighter. And tight clothes for me always throws me into that diet desperation frame of mind. It just always has in the past. And I found my aplomb kind of getting shook this last couple of weeks, feeling like, am I doing the right thing? Well, I have to tell you, I think I am doing the right thing because emotionally I'm doing so much better and dealing so much better in my life by working through the principles of intuitive eating that even if I went on a diet tomorrow and lost 20 pounds, I would feel better physically in my body. But I have to say truthfully for me, and again, I'm speaking for me, I think I would be at grave risk of triggering my binge eating cycles again if I went on any kind of restriction plan at this point. I just really feel that way. So I have to give myself all kinds of positive talking to's, but in the last couple of weeks I haven't been as successful at keeping my positive frame of mind up. I've been letting some of those old recordings kind of go into my head, so much so that I even posted a blog post about that, where I kind of showed you my sad face. Stephanie from Quebec pointed out like, wow, I'm surprised you showed your picture. Not that you can kind of see the back of my rear, which is not my good point in that picture, but you see the sadness in my eyes while I'm looking at my body. Now this is something that I have experienced quite a bit, but I usually don't put those kind of photos or even those kinds of feelings easily onto this show or onto the blog. Because as we've talked about before, I'm someone who is always kind of the funny one, the happy one, the helpful one, the one that keeps on that mask of positivity. Now part of that mask is really me. I am overall, I think, fairly positive, mindful person. At least these days I am but I also have a lot of deep sadness and a lot of negativity and a lot of times where I feel despair, just like any other human being. And since negativity and despair and sadness aren't necessarily what I had thought in my head is attractive to others, whether in my real life, quote unquote, or to listeners, that's something that I tend to cover up or to make the best of. And I'm kind of getting to the point where, what the heck? I might as well tell you, might as well show you, I am who I am, and I think it's just another level of getting honest with myself, another level of authenticity. Well, this resulted in some other things. Like, I've really been overscheduled lately with a lot of fun things, you know, with my singing lessons, my voice acting lessons, doing the class, and just doing all these different things, as well as trying to keep up with the housework, trying to keep up with, you know, getting the taxes paid, the bills paid, keeping up with what Mark needs for, you know, our relationship, our bike rides, the various things that we do to keep our life humming along. I've just been overwhelmed. 
So last week, I kind of pulled the plug on some of some things just temporarily, you know, canceled some weekly appointments, kind of took some time just to rest up, and that made me feel a whole lot better. It makes me think of like, you know, when you're doing physical workouts and you have overtraining, well, I think you can have emotional scheduling overtraining too. I just got like whacked. I think it affected my physical self, my emotional self, my spiritual self. Every part of myself was just like, I had enough of all this, you know? I wanted to have that feeling of running away. So I got all rested up. I was feeling really good and doing my things. I put my sad and sorry blog post up and got a lot of support. Thank you, by the way, brave companions who came to leave me comments and support me on my, my sad little blog post there. <laughs> but, you know, I was feeling like, well, I got a handle on this. And I was looking ahead to this week, which is also fairly heavily scheduled. In fact, I have to go to the dentist immediately after recording this. So it's kind of on my mind, but this is the time that I have set aside to get this recording done. So here I am. Well, yesterday I had set aside to edit the Skype conversation that Alan and I had back in the early part of October. And I had nothing else to do all day yesterday except to edit that show. And that shouldn't be hard. The conversation was fun. I like Alan. I like editing. But Every time I went to the computer to start doing this work, I would find myself on Instagram. Hi, everybody on Instagram. By the way, if you want to see me goofing off and seeing what I do day to day, Instagram is the place because that's where I am most of the time when I'm goofing off. First comes Instagram, then comes a little bit on Facebook or on CompulsiveOverreadingDiary.com, but Instagram is king. And again, I'm Lori Dreamweaver on Instagram if you want to go there. But I was basically procrastinating. And then I posted on Facebook, I'm procrastinating, I don't know why. And Sue, bless her heart, said, well, maybe you should put off doing this if it's only your own mind that's making you do this editing job today, maybe you should do something else. And I said, wow, Sue, you're right. So then I spent the whole rest of the day kind of goofing around. But as part of that goofing around, I ate more junk yesterday than I have eaten in the whole nine months since we started this show. The whole nine months. And I mean, here I was enjoying myself, watching TV shows, going on Instagram, kind of taking it easy. And yet, there I was having a robot alien attack. Wow, I could have figured this out. Here I'm doing exactly what I want and what's going on. And I realized that some secret part of myself was getting down on myself and calling me all kinds of names for not being productive, for not following through, for not doing my editing. And so I got up and did a little bit of housework. And, you know, not a lot, but did a little bit of vacuuming, cleared off the dining room table, which I don't know about you, but that tends to become the place where my purse, my keys, and other kinds of stuff just kind of piles up on that dining room table. Did a little bit of housework, and I noticed that I felt better. So I was talking to Mark, and I said, oh, I'm having the most terrible day. And he looked around, and he goes, well, but the house looks pretty nice. You've done a lot of work here. And I said, well, yes, I did. And he gave me a hug and some other nice things happened. And he gave, we had a nice conversation and a good dinner. And I realized that most of my day actually had been good. Only the robot alien kind of tendencies and my own self-imposed guilt about not editing the show 
were kind of negatives. There were a lot of positives. So I started saying to myself, well, this day wasn't 100% how I wished it had gone. My reactions were not all that I wished it could have been. But there was a lot of good things that I did, a lot of good things I experienced. So I got to take the good with the bad. Well, I'm glad I had that practice, Brave Companions, because this morning I got up and I said, well, I might as well edit this show. This, I might as well edit this interview I did with Alan before I go to the dentist. I got plenty of time to do that. It won't take me too long. Well, that was correct for the first half of that interview. But then somewhere in the middle, something happened to my phone line, to my side of the conversation on Skype, where my voice became unusable. There was so much pop and crackle that despite my many, 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 many efforts to clean up the audio of my half, it's just not usable. Well, I thought, great, Alan sent me his recording of this for me to have as backup. I'll use that. Well, guess what? It was in his recording also. And it was something that I couldn't hear when I was listening to our, our conversation over my headphones. So it was probably something between my computer and that phone line because the first half of our conversation is perfectly fine and the last half is just not usable. So then I had to figure out a way to edit this so that it can end and you get Alan's story somewhat at least. You get something because it was a great conversation. And it's funny because Alan ends up by saying, you know, changes are a little scary. Well, it's a little scary to post an interview that is only half really done. But because Alan is all about progress, not perfection, after our little announcements, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And I'm sad, Brave Companions, because a lot of what I can't share with you on the interview that we had was really, really good stuff, and I'm sorry not to share it. On the good side, it was really good stuff, and I'm so glad I got to have that great talk with Alan. So I'm really going to do better to try to stop this black and white thinking, to quit saying that my day is all crap, or it's all perfect, depending on how things are. I'm also not gonna give myself a lot of grief over the robot alien visit. I'm gonna take that as a lesson that there is yet another layer of negativity that I need to address in learning to be kind with myself. Well, just a couple of brief announcements before we move on to listen to the interview of Alan Standish and me. And the first is that Dr. Nina Savelle Rockland is a psychoanalyst from LA and she specializes in stopping the diet war. And I first heard about her when new Brave Companion Rachel, who is still working her way through the episodes, posted on Who Are the Brave Companions page. And she talked about Dr. Nina's podcast. Well, I wrote Dr. Nina a little email saying, hi, you know, my Brave Companion listener, Rachel, recommended you. I just want to introduce myself. She and I, Dr. Nina, I mean, have been emailing me and she invited me to be a guest blogger on her blog, Make Peace With Food. And that's going to happen on Friday, November 7th. So I'll put the link to that on today's show notes, day 86. The other thing I wanted to do was totally thank you 
for the five-star reviews. I think I mentioned before, I now have this service that emails me once a month any new reviews on iTunes throughout the world. And the first one is a five-star review in the USA from Pat. She says, Lori is friendly, thought-provoking, communicates clearly. Progress Not Perfection Allen interviewed Lori, and I've caught up on the back podcast and listened every time. She threw out commercialized diet and embraced intuitive eating, which for me worked, and as a bonus, it spilled into other parts of my life. So it gave me the push and license to know myself and my relationship with food and my whole life. Wow, Pat, I tell you, that's a review I'm going to have to pin on my fridge so when those robot aliens come to me and say, you're worthless, I'm going to read what Pat had to say on iTunes. That is so encouraging. Thank you. And then Amy from Australia posted this five-star review in Australia iTunes. I enjoy nothing more than walking around listening to the soothing sound of Lori Weaver and her considered insightful thoughts on such a relevant topic. Keep up the great work. I love listening to you, Lori. Thank you, Amy. Hugs and kisses across the pond. This is another one I'm going to paste up on my mirror in the morning when I look at it and say something about how I'm not good and I'm too fat or anything like that. I'm going to say, oh, yeah? Well, Amy enjoys nothing more than listening to the soothing sound of me, so I guess I'm pretty good after all. So you can see, brave companions, how writing down nice things or when someone sends you a card or a nice email or something that's positive about yourself, and if they have it, write it about yourself and pin it up on the mirror, pin it up on the fridge. It really, really works. Well, that's it for announcements. On now to what I could show you of our interview with Alan Standish. Now, as a little added bonus, because I had to chop so much of the end off of it due to my sound quality, I'm putting a little bit on the front that normally would not be in the interview. It was our kind of pre-interview chat where I actually sync up our two recording sides by playing on my pig. That's right, I play this little whistle that's in a pig shape and I play this for Alan. So if you're on Instagram, you saw a picture of my pig whistle, and now you're going to get a chance to hear it. <laughs> and anyway, back to you. As you can see, I tend to take over our conversation, which is not a very good interview technique. I'm going to hit record here just so I can, and I'll tell you what, if you want me to, I can send you my WAV file if you want it on this side here too. Now, go ahead. I'm going to, and as soon as you hit record, I'm going to blow on my pig. So that oh, I let can me, oh, let me do that again up. here. Sorry. <laughs> Hang okay, on. <laughs> no. Okay. I'm hitting it now. Isn't that interesting? I play the pig as an instrument. Where'd you get that at? This I got it off of a street vendor in New York City. And I actually do play it. I used to play the flute, which I can no longer do from my mouth. But Oh, look at that. It is like a little piggy flute. It sounds like a fight song, but I'm, I can't place it. Uh. No, actually, that was Give My Regards to Broadway. 
Oh, okay, 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 okay. I'm I'm horrible when it comes to songs and That's music, okay. all that type of such. There's not I'm, a lot of songs you can play on the pig. <laughs> <laughs> have you shared that on your podcast? You play it I have not say, shared that yet. <laughs> I thought they might be sensitive for me saying the word pig. Yeah, 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 yeah. It just yeah. happened to be the shape that I got because I thought it was cute. It has a little pig tail. <laughs> oh, my God. Buddy. But anyway. <laughs> all right. I'll get ready to go. Okay, brave companions, we have a special treat. You know, a few episodes ago, we spoke with brave companion Donnie on Skype, and she agreed to, to do that with me. One, because I love to speak with Donnie, and two, because I was having a lot of issue making my Skype sound good enough for me to speak with a guest. And everyone said Donnie's interview was good enough, so I have a very special guest for you all, none other than the wonderful Alan Standish from Progress Not Perfection. Hi, Alan. <laughs> Hi, Lori. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm just doing great. Alan, we met originally because I have binge eating in the name of my show. It's Compulsive Overeating Diaries slash Binge Eating Disorder or something like this. And so when I was <laughs> typing in iTunes for binge eating, you were right next to me because your show used to be called Quit Binge Eating. Right? Right. But that's not what right. your show's called anymore. So for those that don't know it, could you give us a brief overview of why you started Quit Binge Eating and why your show isn't called that anymore? Sure. Lori, I, I tend to ramble too, so keep me on topic <laughs> as we go down this path because I will take you down rabbit holes that you never knew existed. So I'm going to try to stay on, on topic here. Oh, I can't wait. I love rabbit oh, holes. Oh, well, uh... Listeners might <laughs> might disagree with that, but <clears throat> no, excuse don't. me. Years ago, I started quit binge eating. A little over two years, and um, it was a, a way for me to share myself and my story. And and my story was, I had been a compulsive overeater, binge eater for at least a good fifteen years before I started that, and lots of struggles with it. Uh, um, and, and, and my struggles was primarily night eating. I was one of those professional people, you know, working in corporate environments and I had to be cool, calm all day long, but inside I was always kind of building up and stressed out and would come home. And then you got, you know, your kids and your spouse that you deal with. And, and, and then at night when everyone went to bed, it's sort of like when I would lose control, right? And, and it attacked the, the refrigerator and the pantries. And, and, you know, that was just as a way to, to basically comfort myself because I was just trying to decompress from the night and it grew into a, a habit. And I've always been, you know, a big guy, even when I was a young kid. So I always kind of struggled with some overeating, but it just really grew into uh, binge eating, right? A binge eating disorder those those last 15 years. It just out and out really was. It's the only way I could comfort and soothe myself. And over those years, I was the um, the epitome of a self-help guru, right? Trying to read all these different books to try to manage my own issues. Typical guy. I never want to ask for help. Never want to go to someone else and God forbid, talk to a therapist, right? That would just never happen in my mind, especially you know, it would just be revealing to me vulnerabilities with myself to even, you know, to even go to anyone else about something like that. So um, at the uh, the last couple of years of that 15-year period, I began to get control. And that control, and I won't go down too much here. We, we can talk about whatever. But that control really began with a lot of meditation and mindfulness. 
and being able to sit with my emotions and understand what I was really feeling, right? So it wasn't as scary anymore. It wasn't like some monster was just taking over. I'm able to kind of see and see the feeling kind of well up and where it came from. And, and that began to give me some real control. But I still was a binge eater, right? It, it was usually when that trigger or that threshold hit a certain mark, where I just couldn't stop myself, you know, and I was still binge eating, you know, once or twice a week, maybe, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more. And then I, I was able to then kind of work through some, you know, CBT type of therapies on my own, which rich, which actually is more um, a, a process that Catherine Hansen talked about in her book, Brain Over Binge, using rational recovery methods, which is just really being able to identify that it is a habit and, and, and what's going through your head and just be able to say no to that binge voice. And that was just enough for me to actually get a fingernail hold to actually finally stop. And I think I went for three months without a single binge. And it was the most amazing freeing feeling I had ever had in my life about anything that had ever happened in my life. And I, I've had some good successes in my life, but you know, that was the one where I felt, wow, I actually did something for myself. And that really was the first time I'd actually done anything for myself. And, and I've always been a big podcast fan. I love listening to podcasts. I, before podcasts came around, I was that big AM radio listener. Even as a kid, it's funny. You talk to my parents so, or my mom now that, you know, I would do every project around the house with that cheap AM radio playing some talk show, you know. And you wouldn't expect that out of a nine-year-old kid. But I was hooked on, on talk radio. And so podcasts were just a natural way. And for a person having listened to that, all my life and then kind of what I had gone through and kind of feeling kind of good about myself at the time, right? Again, this is me just being so super naive, Lori, of, hey, I've been able to stop binge eating for three months, you know, and, and then over another three months, I just kind of kept stewing on it, right? You know, still felt those impulses and, and, and so forth going on, but I really finally had that control. I'm going to have a podcast about this to kind of share what I went through and plus I was still going through a lot of emotions with it, but just kind of a way to vent. I, I have buddies and at the time, um, I just didn't have anyone where I could just sit down and another guy and openly talk to about. My wife's an amazing woman, by the way. I can talk to anything with my wife. But, I mean, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but a spouse is sometimes a little bit different than having that close personal friend where you can just truly, you know, you don't feel like you're being judged. And in a way, when you're, when you're kind of a non when you're talking into a microphone in your office <laughs> and you're not looking across, like you and I are kind of looking across to each other here at Skype, but when you can kind of let your brain just kick into how you're feeling and talking to a microphone, it's just an amazing freeing way. And, and that's what the podcast started out for me as a way. And then it also allowed me the opportunity to start talking to people. And of course, the only topic I wanted to talk about back then was binge eating because I just, I felt like I'd slayed this big monster and I wanted to share my, 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 what I'd learned with everybody else. Right. Plus in my life, I was going through big career transitions. I left corporate. I was, you know, coming in starting another, um, you know, working within a family business, which there's stories with all that too. Good, good stories, nothing bad, but it, it, my, my life has just been through a whole series of transitions over this time. But at that time, the binge eating was enormous for me. And so the show is named the quit binge eating podcast. The blog is quit binge eating. And, uh, it, and how oh, was it for almost 30 some odd episodes of the show? And, and I'm not very good about those weekly releases or like you, you're, you're an amazing podcaster to be able to put out your shows like you do. I wish I could do something like that, but that's that whole, and we can talk about this, that perfectionist inside of me, just, if I don't put those shows out perfectly and, you know, I agonize over my shows, I agonize over them. And I think I found a way through some of that too, by the way, but that, you know, I was able to push out quite a few shows. People have responded very well to it, but I kind of hit another major 
I don't know if breakdown's a good word, but maybe that's a term we'll use right there, was toward the end of last year. It's amazing. When when you think you got everything figured out, it's amazing how stuff can sneak in there and just absolutely crush you almost to the point where you almost don't want to get back up again, right? Oh, boy. We've we've all been there, Alan. We have all been there. <laughs> yeah, well, it, I know, and I was just, I don't know, naive or... Or there's probably some other good words for that, but uh, yeah, it, it come up and, and really bit me really hard with some, some. Uh, you know, I had some 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 issues with my youngest son, which really hit me hard. I had my own perfectionist issues, which when I look at it back, it's funny how time allows you to really look back with that 2020 hindsight and understand what the real issues were. I yeah, I struggle with my emotions and knowing how to soothe myself. But what caused those emotions, right? What was really this, the root cause of it? And it was that perfectionism, that, that, that feel, those feelings of shame, those feelings of self-judgment that you're just never good enough. It, it came back hard and it hit me incredibly hard, hit me incredibly hard personally, hit me incredibly hard with the business I was trying to start up. Um, again, when you're naive with this and you kind of feel like, oh, I'm 10 feet tall and bullyproof and no one's going to hold me back. And you, and you have that perfectionist feeling that you can't allow yourself to, to have any type of weakness, right? That's when it really crushes you and, and knocks your uh, legs out from underneath you. And that's what happened to me. We, we can talk a little bit more about that. But that's when the uh, earlier this year I decided this isn't about food, right? My, my challenge is it's not about food. I've always said that in the, in the Quit Binge Eating podcast. It's never about food. You always talk to the different experts. They agree. It's never about the food. It's what was that triggering event? And one of the phrases, it's funny, um, back years ago in our corporate environment, my buddies and I used, a, used to tease um, really one of the best instructors in this corporate environment slash um, kind of like a, a a philosopher type of fella, right? And he used to always say progress, not perfection. And back in the day, when you know, when you're in a corporate environment, here people kind of use that type of speak. You're like, oh, God, whatever, dude. Yeah, right, progress, not perfection. And he was an older gent, and he'd been through a lot of life, right? And you, you kind of hear that, uh, you know, philosopher on, the, on high saying stuff like this. You just roll your eyes. But I'd always, it kind of resonated with me a little bit. It made a lot of sense. And when I started doing the Quit Binge Eating podcast, it made a lot of sense to me because to, to overcome my binge eating, I was using some of those basic things of this month, we're just going to work on this one thing and not worry about the binge eating. I'm just going to work on this one thing. And that's when I was really embracing the term progress, not perfection. And the term kept rolling out of my mouth during the podcast, right? Even when it was Quit Binge Eating. And when I would email people, you have to think progress, not perfection. But when the perfectionism hit me so hard and I realized what it was. It, it, came, it, it took on a whole, whole new meaning for me. I mean, as in like life-changing for me of what that progress, not perfection really is about. And I'm like, that is exactly what I want to talk about now on the podcast. I want to talk about my own challenges with this. I'll still continue to talk about the binge eating challenge because that's still you know, so many of us struggle with that, but it's just, it's just how it manifests is the, the eating side of it. It's not the real issue. And, and there's going to be a lot of people that probably disagree with me and you can disagree with me all, a person can disagree with me all they want about that. But it's kind of funny when you have hindsight with it, you realize it really is not the food, right? And so with a progress, not perfection podcast was born <laughs> and, and we're only about eight or nine episodes into it. And you're coming up on a couple more of them here. But and I, it, it, you and I really resonate with each other, and, and, and that whole perfectionism. And I think we both kind of at that point in our lives where we realize just how much control that has over us. And you know, and for me, 
what really made me realize the whole perfectionism was when I started reading these Brene Brown books and understanding what the shame was behind it and, and, and understanding how shame, especially I'm a guy, I only have the guy perspective, right? And I'm raising three boys. So I kind of have all that whole perspective with it too, is with males, you know, for, for women, obviously, you know, it's the body image and how you should look and the shame about that. For males, there's this whole other side of it where it's how you can't share your emotions. You have to just be a stone cold bastard, right? And 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 you you, you and then anything else is weakness. And that is so far from the truth. And the real men who are really men know how to recognize those feelings and accept it and raise, and I'm raising three boys who are gonna be men. And I'm trying to teach them these lessons that I'm learning so they don't have to go through this later in life like I had to. You know, here it is, you come up into your 40s and you're like, if only I truly understood this years ago, my life wouldn't have been as painful as it was. And I would have enjoyed all of these years. My this perfectionism, Lori, it grabbed me back when I was, you know, 10, 11 years old, all the way through, you know, obviously here in the United States, it's your middle schools and your high schools, but your secondary schools or whatever. And in college, it's where it really hit me hard when you suddenly become, to, you begin to realize that you're not the best and the brightest in your class. You're actually, <laughs> you're nowhere near, you know, nowhere near that. And then it, it just kind of takes hold from that, especially when you get to a very competitive corporate type of, of environment. So here we are, progress, not perfection. And, and I'm still struggling with a lot of perfectionism. I'm not struggling with the eating near so much. I had, I had a really big challenge during that perfectionist peak of mine with, uh, with this clean eating type of, uh, of challenge, which just almost destroyed me. Um, we can talk more about that too. That's a scary one. I didn't, I actually almost created a whole new eating disorder for, well, I did I had a whole new eating disorder for myself, but, uh, thank God I was able to kind of recognize that early enough and recognizing the same feelings that came up. But, uh, but now I want to talk about all of this for both women and men. I just want to make the podcast a safe place to be able to put it out there. Let's, you know, again, I'm not a hippy dippy type of guy, you know, I'm from the Midwest. I, I you know, kind of a conservative background. But the good thing about my parents was they always allowed me to express myself and they never judged me. I just judged myself. And if, if I had a set of parents that had judged me, I don't think I could have ever have gotten to this point with myself. But, you know, to, to actually to get to this point, I'm, I don't know, I feel very lucky. I feel like I was able to hit that 1% mark for myself, that 1% that chance to finally save myself because I really feel like I've, I'm, I'm kind of saved in a way, you know, not, not from a religious perspective, but saved in terms of I, I recognize that it was that shame, like I always call it that, that primal shame response, right? That was, that's, that's holding me. It had it strangled me, but now I can recognize it. And I want to share that message with everyone else. Again, we didn't go down a rabbit hole, Lori, but I certainly meandered a little bit there. Uh you have listened to my show and I know that you have. <laughs> so one of my principles for brave companions, and well, I'll ask you straight out, do you consider yourself a brave companion? I do. I'm, I'm actually one of those kind of extreme listeners that actually, when I first heard you, I actually went back and started with episode one <laughs> and worked my way up through. And I feel like I know you incredibly well. Yes, I'm a brave companion. That's great because before you were like expressing during your wonderful heartfelt interview some feeling of doubt that you were talking too much or going down the rabbit hole or not sticking to the topic 
And if you've listened to every one of my shows, one, you are eligible for the certificate of completion that I just made. <laughs> <laughs> I heard about that. That made me laugh. So if you go to the Who Are the Brave Companions page, you can download that and put your name in there and hang it up on your wall and say, look at that. I listened to every one of That's these. That's I need to put that on the wall right here behind me so everyone can see that. <laughs> That's right. Because so many of the Brave Companions did like you described and started yeah. with one and went to the end. So I thought it'd be cool to give them something. But my point is, you've heard me say before, even though you probably don't remember which show, because I sure as heck don't. <laughs> but something about us that have eating issues or perfectionist issues is we've been felt that we've been shut down. That we shouldn't express our feelings as much as we need. We shouldn't be able to say this, that we're bothering people when we're telling what we need. So one of my hallmarks is you can write 10-page long comments on my blog, and I'm not going to cut it down. You can post 20 times in a row on my blog, and I'm not going to give you grief over it that you're posting so much. And if you call the Bravery Hotline, well, the Bravery Hotline is only five minutes at a shot, but if you want to call it 10 times and tell me a long story, I will fit it in somehow. Because one of the things that's helped me doing my show is the fact that it's my show and I can talk as long as I darn well want to. Yay! Nobody's telling me to be quiet for the first time in my life. And I find that a huge thing of help. And sometimes I talk all the time and sometimes I don't. And so my honest feedback to you today, my dear Alan, is that you told your story in just the right way to make it clear for me and for our companions who are listening. And if it took another hour, we just have a two-part episode. So don't you worry. Okay. Well, I, I could talk all day long, and my poor wife has to put up with that. So. <laughs> Well, then you're lucky you're here on the other end of Skype with Lori, who will let you talk all day long, as long Rudy. as some other day I get to talk all day long. <laughs> <laughs> Rules? <laughs> well, you know, it's just that I tend to go down the rabbit holes, too, but I, I, thought, I thought that your story was really well done and probably is going to have very minor edits in it because I thought it was really well put. Oh, well, thank you. And you know what's funny, too, Lori, is I, I consider you, we, we, we've said this before, you know, you're like a sister for me. It's, it, soulmate's not the right word, obviously, yes. but the, 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 the experiences that we both have and the fact that we can just talk openly and just feel good about that, it's rare to find that, you know, with someone else. That's why I, several of my guests, I can do the same thing with. We'll just start talking. And we'll, I don't know if you, you found this yourself when you talk with our folks. And you and I have done this because I know you know this with me where we'll just kind of get on for a quick interview, you know, for a show. And then two hours later, like, dang, we need to hit the record button here because, you know, we just, <laughs> we just feel like friends because we have that ability to share back and forth and that shared uh, kind of experience. And it's just it's something that I never heard before from guys or even ladies, right? It's just something that's just more coming out now. And with the, the, the ability of the podcast and the audio format, and like you're saying, the long format, that's why I like podcasts. I'll go for a run or a long walk, and that same interview or conversation is with me from beginning to end, right? And I'll just continue to walk until it finally wraps up so I can come in the house. <laughs> so I love the format. Exactly. And I'm going to get back to you too, but I want to say one thing that I accidentally did, I think that 
helped my inner perfectionist is when I started my show, I didn't even know it was a show, number one. It was just me talking to myself. But two, what is my show? It's whatever's <laughs> wrong with me or good with me, whatever it is. So Don't say wrong with you, Lori. Oh, you're how right. how you're feeling. It's how well, you're feeling. you know what I mean. <laughs> the challenges <laughs> and the successes or, you know, however, however. So I don't have to have too much fear over what I say because I can bleep out my swearing. And other than that, pretty much that is my show is the highs and lows. So that was really smart to not have to have that paralyzing fear, right? Because mm -hmm. if I cleaned up everything I said and did till I was perfect every day, then I'd have no show. People go to show three. Well, she's perfect. She's perfect again. She's perfect. Yeah. Oh, how boring. She's perfect again. We don't care. Yeah, we're, we're not perfect. They like me because I'm not perfect, and I'll say so. So that was smart. The other thing that was smart is that I, I don't have a particular time. So some of the bonus episodes are 20 minutes long. If I have a particular thing I just want to talk about, some of my what I call produced episodes where I have orchestrated what comments I want to highlight or calls mm -hmm. from the Brave Companions, that might be an hour or more depending on what there is to say. And normally I would have been different and said, I need to be exactly 30-minute format or 40-minute or whatever the research said was the perfect podcast format, and I need to hit my intro at exactly 35 seconds, and I need to hit this right here. And, man, I would have really been in trouble because I never hit my intro exactly the same, <laughs> ever. <laughs> I never wrap up exactly when I think. And I realized that there are times in life when we do have to do that. So like you were saying, one thing about the podcasting format for me is that it does give me kind of freedom to just be. Yes. In a lot of places yes. in life, you can't just be, which is why getting back to you, I want to encourage you to say whatever you want to say forever as much as you want to say. And that's how it goes, you know? Well, what you're saying there too, it, it's a lesson learned that I had. Oh, you know, again, when I started the, my podcast, the Quit Binging podcast, I was a prisoner to what I had read of what a podcast needs to be, right? You hear all these other quote unquote experts. Again, I'm, I'm showing how much I got myself in trouble here from, you know, okay, I got the binging under control, but that perfectionist monster inside of me, he was raging. And here's what a perfect podcast needs to sound like. It needs to have this type of bumper music and you got to start with this and you got to have this and, you know, you always got to have a good introduction and, and, you know, all these things, I had those these expectations of myself. So when I started the podcast, it would actually sometimes get incredibly hard. Actually, it was always incredibly hard for me to put out the, the expected pieces of it. But when I have an interview with someone, Lori, like we're talking here, I could literally talk for three hours. Yes. Maybe do just a light edit on it to remove coughing or something that I did. It's always, you know, that and then just put it out there. It's not a thing. And I never gave myself that freedom to do that. I always felt that there was this expectation. And it's not until recently, again, this is just me learning my own lessons about myself, something that you figured out from the very beginning, which took me a long time to get there, was now when I do my podcast, and this is a promise that I made to myself and it has relieved so much anxiety because I'm still working through some of my perfectionist issues that I just want the interviews with people. Right. And, and I'm not a monologue type of person. I realize that, too. I'm just I'm just realizing who I am and I am accepting of that. I'm not angry at myself for trying to change. It's just who I am. So like my interviews, like one's going to be coming out with you. All it is is just me starting the podcast out with 
here's the name of the podcast, here's who I'm talking to, and then we cut right into the interview. And then that interview almost has no editing. I love that. I was never honest with myself up until just not too long ago about that. And and, and just like you're saying, when you, when you can just it's that freedom. It's unbelievable how, how that frees us. And I'm finding the way that format works for me. So, we're, so even within podcasting, even though it's a long format, we each want to have our own nuances. You, you're amazing because you can just get on the road or on the path and talk. I don't think I could do that. That's not me. But when I talk with someone else, they can pull everything out of me. And I could literally just bore you to tears for three to four hours. You know, I'm one of those type of, I'm an introvert. And when we get into a, a, a con, you know, I go, I hate using the word cocktail party. They don't call that anymore. But, you know, you go to a little <laughs> social gathering. I know it feels like so 1950s. I went to a cocktail party. Uh, you know, you go to a little gathering and you talk with people. You find that one person that you can really connect with, I will wear them out. <laughs> but it feels so good to have that connection. And I never knew why. But now, you know, again, reading more and more about it, we crave connection, you know, and that's, uh, that's been good for me. It's been the best thing I've ever done for myself. Oh, we absolutely do. And I tell you, I have benefited from your connection because when my audience was growing, when the, our first interview, really my podcast was very new, uh-huh. very new. There weren't like a ton of people. Yeah, I think you had more podcasts out than I had at the time, Lori. But I didn't have listeners. I was, I mean, I did. I did have listeners, Brave Companions, and I had some pretty active people. Yeah, but yeah. it was like little enough that I knew every one of their names. It was like, you know, a small class of people. And I swear I doubled overnight after your interview came out. One after another after another. I heard you on Alan Standish. Now oh. I have to listen from show one and come all the way through. <laughs> I heard you on Alan's show. I'm like, wow, thank you, Alan. Though so I did send you a couple back. I oh, did you send you a couple. Back. Did. I, did. I love. I can't but, tell you. You you like me. You just love listeners, right? I yeah. I love those emails. You crave those comments. I'm I, I'm still new at the comment thing, but the personalized emails and then you get the voicemails. That's just amazing. The connection with the listeners at the podcast and having that voice in your ears, isn't it? It is, and I love it. It's so fun, and I'm especially happy that like more people are doing the foolish fun, which is to call or use speak pipe and do something that has nothing whatsoever to do with eating, just mm -hmm. to have a chance to do something different. Because here I'm going to step on your interview just to share with you something that is really meaningful to me that I just discovered, and that is that my entire life until I gave up my compulsion to eat or not eat or whatever, is I have so much time to do other stuff. That's why I'm doing voice acting. That's why I'm doing writing. That's why I'm doing all of these things. I never had time before. My brain was filled with all of these other things. Mm -hmm. And let alone if you do it perfectly or scared of perfection. But I literally didn't have time before. So this is a revelation to me. Wow, these people who are having adventures and success and even keeping their house cleaner than I do, they're not spending every moment thinking about what they're eating. <laughs> or what did they eat? Or how much exercise do they have to do? And I'm 55 years old. You talk about you wish you found out about yours earlier. Darn, I wish I'd known this when I was 20. I might have been a mountain climber or something. Who knows? <laughs> I know, but it's so, how do I say this? Regrets are tough, right? Because yeah. you can get caught in that whole nostalgia and, and, and regret of it all. But 
I, I know. I, I have that. Oh, gosh. I, don't know. We, I could talk for 20 minutes about that, too. But no, it, it's just kind of neat to get yourself back to the moment and recognize I used to do that, but now I do this. And to be proud of where you are now and where you're moving forward. It's just it's hard to get there. But once you get there, it's so freeing. You don't feel caught or uh, a prisoner to the past anymore. Just I just enjoyed the conversation. We didn't have to hit record. I could do this you know, a couple times a week, just catch up with you, see how you and Mark are doing. <laughs> But no, that's that's really all that's going on here. I, I want to make some big changes uh, with the podcast. Not big changes, but improvements, right? I just want to keep improving it, improving myself, putting myself out there more. And with my business, I'm realizing so much of my personal business, you know, Standards Media, I'm wanting to do more and more with this, talking about perfectionism and struggles and helping both men and women through some of this. I, I can continue to do apps with other people, but I enjoy doing apps for myself and apps that truly help people. I've never been as fulfilled in my entire life other than when I've done this, uh, this type of work, you know, podcast has just been like you, you're like you, it's just, just my time that I've been putting out there. Never, you know, th there's no monetary tie to anything at all whatsoever. Right. But now I'm realizing, you know, with the apps and where we can go with certain things that maybe some people are interested in more. So I'd like to be able to put something out that more people could, could possibly use and receive. So I'm trying to, uh, it's a little scary. It's a little scary. You're certainly right that change is scary, but you know what? It is silly to have regrets. It is silly to worry about things you can't change. Do I wish that our entire interview could have been played on this show? Of course I do. But as I said earlier, I'm so happy that we had a chance to speak. And the other good news, Brave Companions, is that I'm sure Alan will come back and we will do another interview and try to get all of it in next time. And even if we don't, as he says, progress, not perfection. So brave companions, until next time, take care because I and Alan really, really care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. And there I'll sit, I'll admit that I was only just a guest inside my skin. And by the dawn, I'll be gone, it won't be holding on. Side.